Thanks for listening to Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. It has been said that history is really His story, the story of God showing His grace and mercy to the people He has created. That grace and mercy is on clear display in the Gospels as we see our Jesus living and dying for the sins of the world. But His story continues. The story of the early Christian church is his story as well. We are glad that you have chosen to read that story with us, as together we read chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. We'll review the stories of God's grace and mercy on his infant church, and celebrate that same grace and mercy that we know and experience today. We are glad to have you studying and growing with us. Here's the next episode of our podcast and the discussion of the next chapter of the book of Acts. Thank you for being back. Thank you, podcast listeners, for uh, listening with us and tuning in. Another episode of Most Certainly True podcast. I'm here with Pastor Jim Hebner. How are you hey, today, Pastor Hebner? Fine, Pastor Hockman, so I can introduce you yeah, while you're nice saying well. hello. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for organizing these. Great to be together and wonderful to have an opportunity to talk about another chapter in this awesome Bible book known as the Acts of the Apostles. I'm excited about that. It's a there's if a, you've been listening along, uh, yeah. Pastor Strong has not been fired from the podcast. He, nah. is, <laughs> he is on vacation, and oh, Pastor yeah. Hebner has uh, uh, pulled an extra shift. So thank you for <laughs> for doing that. Um, How sure can you that... say no? A chance to talk about the Bible? I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Do hardly... that at the drop of the hat, right? <laughs> Anytime. It, and fun to do. It's one of those chapters, as we get, they all have their own unique flavor and some incident or something exciting happening. But the one we're going to talk about today in chapter 20 has that sense of the ending as we're wrapping Paul's third journey up, but also a beginning, because that's really what's going to happen as we get to the latter part of this Bible book. There's a There is an ending, but it's really not an ending. It's like the beginning of God going to use the circumstances set in the stage in this chapter 20 for what's to come. And the good news of Jesus ringing out even in wider circles. And that's uh, that's something that can happen in our life quite easily, right? You think you're coming to the end of something, but it's really the beginning <laughs> of something new. You know, you have that as in your family, you know, uh, your, your, your kids and they're transitioning into, let's say, a high school level and and well, they've ended their grade school, but once they get into the you know the high school, there's a beginning of something new. It's a whole yeah. new experience. Another one of your daughters will have that sense of well, I just ended you know a, a grade school experience, elementary, but now I'm going to have this beginning. It's yeah. just opening the door to something new, and soon it will be not only for the rest of your crew that experience, but then you're going to have some of your early your oldest kiddos transitioning. Well, I'm done with the high school. Well, I'm not at the beginning of a college experience, right? Yeah. Or, Interesting. We, we've got a classmate who has two children, and they're both now. I think the second one this year is enrolling at prep. So they've told us they're empty nesters now. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is really weird for us to think about. When right. We've got a two-year-old running around the house. Like it's gonna be a while before, before. you get to have that <laughs> empty nest feel, right? Yeah. 
Lord didn't give us as many as you have too, but I can recall that too. And it was quite a transition. It was because we are blessed in our metro area to have this wonderful high school, Wisconsin Lutheran High School, and even in your experience, Lutheran Prep, not that far away. It's when they are head off to a college, maybe a little farther away, when it feels more like, whoa, this is the end of a certain era. The, but right. it's the beginning of something new for them and for the family. And I, you know, being in a different generation, we see that too with with uh, kids who, you know, get married and that's the end of their single life, but the beginning of something. And then the grandkids come, it's always an opening of a new day and a new way and exciting to see. It's fun to, to, to watch that happen. That's true in congregations too, you know, there's different little, it could be with changes in personnel, it could be with buildings, it could be whatever, but there's always that sense of, uh, oh, is something ending? No, a, a new door is opening, new opportunities. And you just did that in February, right? You closed the, the third ward ministry, but uh, yeah. to open the doors to be able to do small groups. and More discipleship. And We're grateful to... for the Lord for those new beginnings, right? Right. Yep. And uh, praying the Lord will bless those opportunities. And I suppose with each new member joining, it's kind of that way too. You know, we can look at that as our potential active and leader members who are new to the congregation and joining and excited to have them involved. It's one of the reasons why we keep talking in our staff and want all our members and thinking in terms of what this a technical word is assimilation, right? Um, an assimilated member is what? They're not just here on Sunday, but they see their congregation, their church as helping them in their walk with the Lord daily and are involved in their own personal Christian life and walking with the Lord and communicating his love yeah. to others, but also through their, their congregation and getting involved in Bible study with others and serving. Right. And, you know, connections it's all, with yeah, people, right? Connections, right. It's not just a personal, I go to church on a Sunday morning and I disappear, but those horizontal links that we have with each other are really, really a treasure and important for us. God wants us to enjoy those. You know, I was just talking with someone, um, and names aren't important, but it's a, a person who does a lot of camping and, and does the, the Grace Camp Out, yeah. which is actually happening as we record this podcast. <laughs> uh, it'll be a couple of weeks in the past by the time this posts, but they shared a story about um, someone who was new to the camp out mm -hmm. and they didn't really know them that well. And even at the camp out watched them kind of a little more reserved and what's going on and who are these people. And by the end of the couple of days that they spent was much more open. And, <laughs> and, and, but now the cool part is now at church, they see them and greet them. They yeah. know each other and, mm -hmm. and they're not just like ships in the night walking past each other right. or a friendly greeting because people at Grace are friendly, but now they know each other and have a connection and yep. um, see each other differently in, in, a, in a really good way. So those opportunities exactly. to be in each other's family, in each other's lives, lives. And, and to get to know each other on a more personal level mm -hmm. is just a cool blessing and privilege opportunity right. we have as as members of a Christian family. You know, when, when buildings were built, and ours was 120-some years ago, um, there was still this concept that worship is where you worship, and you don't need a gathering space because people live in the neighborhood, and they know each other, or they work together, or they're related by blood or marriage. 
and churches were not built with a gathering area. And that's why our planned Broadway building will be so significant because logistically, you know, people can park on the sidewalks or on the sidewalks on the street and walk the sidewalk and enter our church. And then it's easy as worship ends, you know, you just sail right out the doors back to your car. But we're trying to to inculcate into people this concept of you enter in perhaps the church doors, but maybe in the Broadway building and then hang out and get to know people. And then the same thing after worship, you flow would be to the north where we have a stairwell now and a little ramp, a wide open area that takes you to the the plans for our new building. And then again, to drive home what you've just been talking about, people get to be with each other and get to know each other's stories and to care for one another and to enjoy each other's not only company, but to be a mutual support system and to have people together to do that. Uh, that Broadway building will be real key, so we want that to be an, uh, part of people's minds. And they don't just rush out the door to get to your car and head home, but that's where you'll be together and from Bible study to social time to coffee. And I, we hope that the, the design is a magnet for people to right. gather. Relationships, right? Yeah. That's kind of been a theme that we've been looking at in the book of Acts. We've been seeing the relationship that <laughs> Paul has had with these church leaders, some of them named mm-hmm. specifically with individual congregations. Right. And um, that's just driven so much of his journeys and where he's going to go and who he's going to leave behind and who he's going to repeat on visits and who he's going to write letters to. Yeah. And, um, just all of these relationships that that God's blessed him with and that God is using, using those relationships that right. Paul drives, using the relationships that that the members have with each other mm-hmm. um, to advance the cause of the gospel and to, yeah. to win souls for him. Which is the point, right? Because God wants more in heaven. <laughs> so how's that going to happen? He's going to use us, all not just pastors, but all of us as Christians to proclaim it. We see that happening here in this wonderful chapter. 20 is really quite an interesting uh transition then from as we wind down his third journey and Paul had been spending you know that three years ish in the Ephesus area he mentions that later in this chapter but as this furor and uproar from the previous chapter winds down it's time for him to set out and he's going to go not by water across the Aegean Sea to Corinth to the west but he's going to take the land route through northern Greece and that's actually what happens it's very likely then when it's just a brief mention that he's in Corinth for three months, that's in verse 3, that's the likely time and spot when he writes his letter to the Roman Christians. I think it fits nicely with the sequence of events and things that are going on here that maybe 56 A.D.-ish he's writing. We jumped over one letter. It's up in Macedonia that that he writes, gets the report. Probably that's right. meets up with. Let's not miss that. Is it is it Titus that is the yeah? One I that's think it's the, delivering. So he delivers First Corinthians and then it's coming back around and then they Paul, meet up. Paul bumps into him, gets the report, and then pens Second Corinthians. Paul writes turns him around, sends yeah. it back. Yeah, um, and Paul's going to chase. Will chase after follow after that letter, and then in right. Corinth he writes. That's a good catch. Yeah, so this is a significant time when you're looking at other. Um, writing is of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And uh, so from that time in 
Corinth now, we have already mentioned in a previous podcast that he's got in mind he wants to get back eventually to Jerusalem. But it's, what an interesting statement you have there in verse 3 that while he planned on taking a boat back to across the Aegean. sail for Syria. Yeah, he was going to just yeah. sail home, which Whether tells you must yeah. be getting close to Pentecost because that was the festival he wanted to yeah. to be back for. Springtime sailing, but there was some kind of a plot. I don't know, throw him overboard, whatever. Then he decided, nope, we're going to go by land <laughs> back through northern Greece before he gets boats and kind of island hops and city hops on his way back. Just to, But then you have that listing of all these people who are accompanying him, and it's really interesting to sort of dovetail that with what we find in other Bible books and that he had uh, has authored and see how that all connects. And then we pick up from Philippi in northern Greece the we passages with verse 5 and 6. Yep, that that we waited for back. us. And so now Luke is back sailing from Philippi. Which, around if Passover you remember, time. the last we, we section leaves him in Philippi. That's right. So we would assume probably stays there. And then if you put it on a timeline and, and map it out, he's probably there for six or seven years in Philippi. Yeah. Um, so served a good tenure. Um, <laughs> has, been, has been serving God's people there right. faithfully as pastor um, in Philippi. And when Paul is now embarking and leaving northern Greece, he has to cross the Bosporus to Dardanelles, whatever term you're using there, and he's back into the Asia Minor area, the west coast of Turkey today, and uh, first is at Troas, and <laughs> wouldn't you know, we have that unique account where, I don't know, I I can see people maybe dozing during a sermon once in a while, but this is really something when he's going on for hours. Yeah. Is this a fear of yours? Being responsible for <laughs> Somebody's the death fall of out one of, the of your parishioners? Yeah. <laughs> Leaning over with rapt attention, not so much, and falling asleep. And we don't have the highest railing up there if you've been, you know, right? You'd probably only just be severely injured. I don't know that you would die and fall yeah. from the balcony. Well, if you it depends your head on, you on the pew on the way down, right? It hasn't happened yet, and God forbid that it ever would. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness sakes. It is remarkable if you if you just look at the clock. He's there, and then he keeps on talking till midnight, and then there's the incident where he falls asleep. Yeah. And then he keeps That's not enough for him to wrap it up. <laughs> like, that was a close call, but uh, he keeps on talking till daylight. Yeah. Um, he keeps going. You can just see the passion that he has. He knows that he's going to um, be leaving yeah. in the morning or the next day. And You can um, imagine Eutychus, you know. All right, I dozed off and died, and you raised me back to life. I guess I'm going to pay attention, so... <laughs> <laughs> He's got a few more hours of recovery, and I'm going to stay alert. The adrenaline was pumping not only for Paul preaching, but Utica's listening. <laughs> okay, I won't doze off again. At least I'm not going to do it from the third floor balcony. It, it does lend validity to your message when you actually raise yeah. someone from the dead in the middle of your yeah. sermon, right? Yeah, do you That'd think... That'd be a great illustration, that's right. wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Do you think you're going to call him, uh, haul him back up to the third floor and p- uh, prop him up in the balcony? Yeah, maybe you know? they gave him uh, an yeah. inner seat. Yeah. To, maybe to we're going to let him back in the We're on the first floor where Paul is <laughs> preaching, and instead of hanging out the balcony from the third floor, we're... <laughs> Paul's down in the atrium where to keep Eutychus next to him so he doesn't fall out again. <laughs> <laughs> well, they eventually take him home alive and we're greatly comforted, and I guess so, right? So now comes a touching encounter as Paul is by boat going island hopping and coastal hopping, right? 
from Asus and Mytilene and Caius and Samus, you know, all these different spots. And eventually he gets Miletus is on the shore not far from Ephesus, and that's where he's going to have these people. If you're looking at a map, you do get a little, because one thing that, at least for <laughs> me, is kind of difficult is like, how long does it take to travel? Oh, yeah. And like, what are we talking months, years? What is this? And here you've got the record that he's doing the, the, these island hopping one day, next day, next day. He gets from yeah. North Turkey to South Turkey in three days. He's moving along. So if you can look at, that's the kind of clip that you yeah. can take. Um, it's not, you know, trying to figure out when does he get back. He's going to be back in Jerusalem in the spring of this year. Does that mean he's got to leave in the winter? Is it fall? He he could actually in a week or, or yeah. maybe just a few Traveling days in more, the springtime when it's more conducive to boat travel and make not it as that stormy distance. maybe. So yeah, I, I I appreciate some of these with just island 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 like uh, who cares? But it, it does put some yeah. of this into context and give you a little a few frames of reference to to be able to calculate how long does it take <laughs> to get from here to there. But isn't it interesting that, you know, look at the verse 16, he decides to go past Ephesus because he knows if he's going to be there, he's going to, he loves them so much and cares about them so much, he's going to going to get stuck, and he really wants to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost. Isn't so. that funny? His pastoral heart leads yeah. him to, to <laughs> skip past these people. <laughs> and I find it interesting because, you know, elders of the church, well, we use the term differently nowadays, of course, but these are... Uh, respected leaders, you know, what exactly their role was. So probably, you know, part of the pastoral staff, whether they had jobs on the side or not, it's a little bit different how ministry worked out in those days. But it is interesting that these are people who are highly involved in caring for the souls of the people in the Ephesus congregation. Right. You get to the book of Revelation and you see Ephesus as a center church and then yeah. seven churches that are all regional around that. Six others. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So then you know, uh, and, and we know that Paul's letters often get delivered and then spread around. Yeah. So this is Ephesus is a leading church that's going to have an impact on these other gospel outposts that are <laughs> scattered around the region as well. It really is remarkable. And, you know, you can see his heart at work when Paul is so much interested in serving them and helping them and strengthening them. And uh, he describes how he simply declared, you know, the the goodness of God to Jews and Gentiles. And then, you know, I'm compelled by this, not just my own personal desire, but compelled by the Spirit to get to Jerusalem. And I just don't know exactly what will happen, but I know I'm going to be there and it's going to be tough. Wow. To be able to be revealing to these people what's on his heart and mind. He's not like, oh, I'm Paul and I'm tough and I'm going to suck it up and... No, he's he's honest enough to tell them this is not going to be good. Yeah, I may never see you again, but that's okay. It's okay. I'll be in heaven, but in the meantime, God will use me for something, and I don't know what. Won't be happy right away or pleasant. But that's just his, wow! What his an willingness to submit to the Lord's will, and yeah, this is probably going to be painful for me, but God is telling me this is what's best, and I believe yeah. it. So I'm going to follow the Spirit's call task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Wow, you know. And that's uh, it's truly amazing. And, you know, he, he testifies that, hey, I came here and that's all I wanted to do. And so the big chunk in this chapter that stands out starts at verse 28 when he's giving instructions to these leaders about guard yourselves and the whole flock and to shepherd God's people 
And that those are instructions that we often use for, you know, pastors as they begin ministry in a certain area that's new or maybe even begin ministry to start with. While it's true for spiritual leaders in a congregation, certainly that would apply to called workers. And uh, those passages are often quoted. What's our role, you know, to guard the souls and shepherd and care for God's people? What an honor, and it's scary at the same time, right? But um, And he says, you know, I know that there's going to be opposition for you. You're going to have a hard time. But uh, remember that how I was with you now, I commit you to God. So you're going to be, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. I may not be here personally, but the Savior's got you in his hands. That's really quite an encouragement here, and it's gripping to read this and have our podcast listeners and Bible readers enjoy chapter 20 and what Paul has to do. And what do you think about that when he gets to the end, though, you know? And it's not just, okay, I've been here, and it's not been easy, and I've got a future that I'm somewhat uncertain, but I know it's going to be hard. And what you've got is you're going to face opposition, but hang in there. Jesus' message will be proclaimed. And what do they do? They just, you know, give each other a high five and take, okay, no big deal. No, it is a big deal that they're saying goodbye. And the emotional ties you can see. They kneel and they pray. Yeah, and the tears are flowing. I mean, you could just see the scene, right? As Luke describes it. Have, having never accepted a call and had to leave a congregation, <laughs> yeah. you don't. You imagine never, you had experienced that, huh? right? That was pretty this hard. Sounds, this sounds a lot like a farewell service. Yeah. Pray, yep. Praying with these people and crying with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Might never see them again. And have I, have I ever showed showed you um, any pictures from my farewell service? Uh, I th- you showed a couple, so because there was sort of a, a farewell, not only the service but also the farewell party, and then we had one yeah. here that yeah, was yeah. kind of baseball parallel. Similar, yeah. So, the the sanctuary in Eagle River is a whole lot smaller. And yes, I've been the, there. The chair is kind of just more on than the, once on the side, and yeah. you're probably five feet, ten feet from the front pew, and of course, it was it was packed. Yeah, but there was a, a dear old lady there. Um, who decided she was going to take some candid pictures of me singing the hymns with the congregation. So all of a sudden she's texting me these extreme close-ups of me just sobbing, can't get through this hymn. And <laughs> she's taking pictures like, thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks, ma'am. Thank you for uh, yeah. <laughs> for documenting the part that I was hoping no one saw. <laughs> no, it clearly everyone yeah. saw. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to pull that off my phone. Like, here. Here's uh, here's one of them. One of the reasons I <laughs> haven't taken all the calls that I've had over the years, right? I didn't want to ever say goodbye. You know, yeah. <laughs> that day will come. I get it. I don't know exactly when, but that day will come, and and that's uh, that's okay. You know, you get a little bit further along, you get a little bit more attuned to the fact that really this is the, these emotional connections we have with people. They will last and endure, and then on into heaven. So it's so it's okay if physically we're not necessarily going to be together and Paul sensed that too right you know he he knew these people and he knew that Jesus would have them in his care and so it's a it's a really cool chapter to see how he's giving the encouragement to the spiritual leaders and the connections he had with them <laughs> I don't know how you cannot you know it, it, sad would it be wouldn't it if the pastor is serving in some place or some area in some congregation and the time comes for his ministry in there, to, whether he takes a call or retire, you know, whatever it's going to be. And nobody cares. Right. They didn't care about him or he about that. Well, that'd be dumb, right? You know, this, but you have this uh, this emotional tie, too, where you really love the people and love what you're doing and 
it's it's a it's a neat blessing that God gives us in ministry to have those kind of friendships and relationships build up. Right. And to be able to know just how much it matters, right? That yeah. this is eternal. This is a Yeah. This is a, a an eternal life and death thing and and what a privilege that God's put these people in in your life yeah. and given you as as minister the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to them. And the flip side is true too. Yeah. God's people so appreciate their shepherds and and the gift that they are to to them. These people that have proclaimed law and gospel right. and shown Jesus into their hearts and lives. It's an interesting thing, though, as the congregation like Grace or any grew to be the size it is. You know, there was a day when you know we obviously still have these connections with people and you love them and care and really generally appreciate their support. But you know, to have a personal time, hours and hours, days with each and every member, once the church gets beyond an average attendance of maybe 40 or 50 and you know, you have several hundred people, you, you just don't have, they're not, they're not that many days in the year, that many right. hours in a week. And uh, you wish you could hit pause and do that. right? Yeah. You wish that's, <laughs> that's probably one of the things, I mean, I love what's God done and is blessing at grace. And there's advantages having large churches and the things we can do together as a congregation, but you don't have as much one-on-one -on -one time with every single person. And that's uh, something you miss, and uh, but you make use of those opportunities when you are together, and try to connect and serve people in the in the group, and then that's why I think looking toward our small group ministry or other ways in which we can connect people to people to serve each other is going to be so essential, as people care for one another in love. Right. Under so, so yeah. some application of Paul's words. Uh, for our members too, be shepherds yeah. of God's flock. Be an under shepherd. Be uh -huh. be a one that God uh, can use and and will use to mm -hmm. be an ambassador to the truth and a beacon yeah. of light. Um, the, these words in chapter twenty from Paul to the leaders of Ephesus are certainly true for all the members here at Grace Church as we care for one another. They're certainly true. Yeah, this is most certainly <laughs> true. To end? <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, I didn't. I wasn't thinking that would happen, but. It, <laughs> It turns out that that could be pretty fitting. Unless you got more, yeah. we could say these are it, yeah, most, this is most certainly, certainly true. true. Thanks for listening. We'd love to share more about God's love with you. Check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot of information about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.